0: smell something put that cookie down hello and welcome to the mighty motion picture rangers i'm shane i'm Star. we're filmmakers we're fans and we can forget about letting people take the run of the ship <laughs> while i'm away no it was a good episode it was a, well, i haven't no, listened to the two next episodes.
1: one the next one is josh's fault so oh
0: really oh okay okay i figured you were like behind yeah definitely. The no, but it was interesting to listen to i was kind of uh i got a bit uh a bit of a cinnabona hearing a comparison of my movie to Robert Altman's Nashville. And It was which, great because
1: I didn't, I never brought up Robert Altman as a as a thing, and, and-
0: I just referenced it in the previous episode, so it was kind of really <laughs> <clears throat> serendipitous and. I was I was I was I was happy. I I do agree that I'm really happy that the one complaint that the guest had was like that sequence that's too long. Because I believe even in the commentary, I say I think it goes yeah. on too long, <laughs> and it's about double the length it should be. Yeah. And so I'm I'm like really happy. I'm like that I I can I know I've identified the thing mm-hmm. wrong with it. I actually heard a thing on a podcast where it's if you know things that are wrong, with, like if you know your work's not up to scratch, you have to be somewhat capable because otherwise you wouldn't know what's wrong with your yeah, work. Yeah, absolutely. And I was like, oh, okay. The first step
1: is admitting you've got a problem. Yes. yes.
0: <laughs> um, Josh is away this week. He
1: was murdered on the way to the podcast. He was murdered
0: on the way to the podcast. So uh, That's Not Canon is starting up a true crime podcast, <laughs> looking at his murder. <laughs> as yeah. it goes on, we're doing a whole investigative thing um, and we'll pair it with a crossover with Murder in the Land of Oz, <laughs> now available on That's Not Canon Productions.com. They run a, um, a true crime podcast, so if you want to listen to that, give that a listen. Specifically
1: Australian true crime, uh, Australian such true as crime. Josh's death.
0: Such as Josh's murder.
1: death.
0: Murder. Um, <laughs> yes, we it's definitely a murder, and we definitely didn't do it. Um, well,
1: now they're going to be suspicious.
0: Now they're going to be suspicious. No, but because they're, that's they're, they'll be suspicious, but then they'll say, oh, well, no one... Would want you to be suspicious, so they wouldn't say that. They try not ah. to make you suspicious. It's like a double game. It's like they know that you know that they know. So then, it of won't course, happen. yeah, that makes um, sense. We're talking about modern horror this week. Speaking of murder, modern horror this week. We talked. um We did. We touched on it in like the It trilogy, but we were definitely going to mine it for more material because the horror. Is such the horror
1: a, genre is just massive. It's and
0: so massive. Um, so many
1: subgenres. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, but as always, we talk. We start by asking. We talk by asking. We start by asking. Uh, what have you been watching? And
1: Yeah, Shane, what have you been watching? Ah,
0: Nice segue. We totally weren't gesturing to each other there. Yeah. What have I been watching? <laughs> I've watched a shit ton because I had two weeks off. So uh, we'll start with I saw a movie on Netflix, a Netflix original movie called Alex Strange Love.
1: Yes. Yeah, I haven't watched it yet. Uh, uh, it's basically like budget love, Simon. That was exactly what I thought when I saw the it's trailer. It's a little
0: more, I think they've tried to go for a little more stylized. They've got like weird animated things that come into it and- some whip camera they've tried to do some
1: clever camera things i think
0: they're very limited by budget um but it's an interesting i mean it's not
1: can i ask if i haven't seen love simon yet and i watch this first will i like it more or should I watch Love, Simon first? You probably
0: like it more, and then you watch Love, Simon, and you go, oh, this is even better. I don't okay, know. Cool. It's, Love, Simon's less obviously stylized. I yeah. think it has a clearer visual language to it, though, whereas Alex Strange Love is trying a lot of things, which is admirable, but it doesn't quite nail one thing specifically. I yeah. think it has a really interesting lead performance, and cool. they touch on like the coming out thing differently than Love, Simon. The oh, character is in a very solid place of denial, which you've seen in some things, but it's not done with this kind of lighthearted touch. Yeah. Uh, the dialogue's really great. The lead performance is really great. And the performance of the love interest is, I think even better. A lot of people give the main guy kudos, but the, the love interest is actually really, really nice and subtle. Um, it's good. It's fun. Like I, I, I laughed. I found some things relatable. There were some cool things. It's not, uh, it's not as, there's not a, as much clarity as I would have liked, but, budget limitations and apparently that script's been knocking around for like seven not to nine years or something like that before they finally it, got Is made. it the
1: sequel to Stanley Kubrick's Doctor Strange Love? Yes. Oh okay, yes. cool. So I should watch that first so uh, I really get an understanding of this yeah, world. Yeah. Brilliant. Um
0: so I watched that. I rewatched Jurassic Park in the lead up to Jurassic World, which I'll talk about next week. <laughs> um Jurassic Park is an art classic, although the visual effects kind of dated a little bit. I'm watching it on Blu-ray. Whoa, 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 really? And I started to notice some things with the Brachiosaur at the beginning. I yeah. started to pick up on some things. But what's clever and the genius of that movie is that there's so much live action stuff there. There's only like what a total of like seven minutes of digital dinosaurs yeah. in total. So like when the T-Rex comes in, that giant head, that's an animatronic. Yeah. And it's only really like when it first sort of screams in the thing or when it's chasing the car. They're the only two real CGI moments. And that's what sells it more than anything else mm. is that there's so little CGI that the CGI that's there, you're you convinced that maybe some other, some rest of it was CGI. But that movie, this, the visual storytelling of the movie, and I really picked up on the whole paternal storyline. It's about a guy. Yeah. Admitting, like, learning to try and be a better be a person who wants to be a father. is
1: very much Steven Spielberg. Uh,
0: Steven is like, the absent father, and he, yeah. he's doing that at this the same is, time he did Schindler's List. Oh, and okay. so he was
1: maturing. This is his maturing as a yep. filmmaker. So it's
0: kind of that – It's Jurassic Park is a really great bridge between serious Spielberg and childish Spielberg. I say childish in the best possible way. Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, that's an absolute – Absolute classic movie. Um, and then you talked about this last week, but I'll talk about it now. So Incredibles 1 and 2, back yep. to back. So much fun. Uh, Incredibles 2 is, I don't think it's as strong thematically, but the more I think about it, the more I'm kind of pulling little things. It's just very subtle and it's very it's very much a superhero movie and it kind of leans yep. into those tropes a bit more than number one comments on the genre. Mm. And it's weird because number one came out almost before the genre was as ubiquitous <laughs> yeah, as exactly. it was today. exactly. But number two is, I think, a lot better and visually a lot better than a lot of people give it credit I've for. actually
1: heard a lot of a flack for the second one in the sense that because the first one was so self-aware and so meta with the superhero genre and now the superhero genre is so prevalent, it's kind of underwhelming that Incredibles 2 is more of a superhero I think, film. I
0: think, though, it's comment like the fact that Elastigirl takes center stage I think yep. is something that a lot of people... People are commenting on it, but they're saying, oh, yeah, it's a superhero movie with a female lead marvel you know pick up the game <laughs> but the same token i think they're doing a lot more commenting in that yeah then i think people realize it's just very subtle although i realize like i think i pointed this did i point this out to you like the villain her name is uh evelyn deva it's evil endeavor like, yeah. that's how on the nose <laughs> that's how on the nose the movie actually is
1: um <clears throat>
0: but I, think, I love
1: a good pun name. Pun mm, names. I are, think ooh. it'll.
0: I think I need to watch it again, probably not on the cinemas, but I think it says a lot more. I just think it's a lot more subtle about it, and yeah. also because superheroes so common, we're being distracted by the superheroiness of it. Um, you know, the screen slaver I think is a, is a really great villain too. Yeah, very, very on point. <coughs> but um, and so uh, next thing I'm watching is Sense8. I
1: you watch the uh, finale or are you rewatching? No, no, no. So
0: I. Back when it first came out, I watched season one, loved it. Then there was this huge break between season one and two and I watched the Christmas special, but there was so much I forgot what happened and then I started watching season two and then it got cancelled, so I got really sad and stopped watching. Then they renewed it and then I was going to wait until the finale came out because it was, again, it was like a year and a half or so until that actually happened. So I've then just gone back and I'm watching it from the beginning and I'm nearly finished season one. Love it, love it, love it. I think the editing on that show is phenomenal because there's so much it looks very freewheeling and there's a lot of multiple camera angles and we've kind of edited it later, but there's a lot of decisions that they would have had to have pre-planned like from the get go. Cause there's a lot of match cuts, a lot of cross cutting between countries where the story is basically playing out in two countries at once and they filmed it in two countries. So okay, it's yeah. really, really well, that, that's why it's
1: so, so, so high budget, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. It's like 9 million an episode as opposed to like two to three, like for daredevil. Um, I love it, and I can't wait to sort of finish it. It'll be sad, but I love the characters in that show. I love the characters in that show. Um, next up, I watched for the first time, because um, I watched, I'll, I'll talk about it in a bit, I watched Hereditary, and then I was on, like, a Tony Collette role, and so I watched for the first time Muriel's Wedding.
1: Which I think is a great double feature.
0: <laughs> it is fucking amazing. I It blew my mind. I guess I put it off because I have such a thing against Australian film, but... Let me put it this way, Muriel's Wedding is so good that if you pitched it to Screen Australia now, they'd kick you out of the building. That's how good <laughs> Muriel's Wedding actually is. Um, man, PJ Hogan loves his split diopter shots. Oh, cool. Holy crap, there's like split diopters all through I that. have not
1: seen this movie since I was like, what, 12 or 13? Yeah. So I think I really should give it another watch, especially since it's on Netflix?
0: Uh, yes. Or Sam. Yes, yeah, okay, it's on Netflix. Netflix. I watch it on Netflix. Um, he, I, watched, I love My Best Friend's Wedding, which he did yeah. post Muriel's Wedding. And he uses split diopters there, and I thought that's really interesting for a romantic comedy. And then I go back and watch Mirror's Wedding, and I was like, oh, no, this is a thing that he does <laughs> all the time. I think Tony Collette's lead performance is incredible. Uh, it's so funny. And what's interesting is it deals with suicide in, a, in an atypical Australian way. And I think yeah. if they made it today muriel would be raped she'd get an abortion and the suicide would happen on screen i so this genuinely is, this recommend- is the
1: modern day remake of muriel's wedding yeah
0: and it would be it they're like why is it comedy like why is there a joke here we need <laughs> less jokes uh that movie is amazing it's possibly tied with predestination as my favorite australian film oh of wow. all time. i genuinely give that like up there almost full stars it's so so wait wait wait. So Have you good. seen
1: Priscilla Queen of the
0: Desert? No, that's next. I've watched bits and pieces. That's next on my list of watching Australian hits because I figure that's another one. Like I figure Mad Max One, which I haven't seen yet. <sighs> um, I figure Mad Max One, Priscilla and Muriel's wedding, and movies all that are so good that you could never get them made today in Australia. Yeah. Um, but I I I adore Muriel's Wedding. It's Such a good, it's such a colourful, such a visually brilliant movie and. Just everything about it, good. The ABBA thing is so good. I, <laughs> I love it. I love it, love it, love it, love it. That she pulled that performance out of being like 19, whatever the hell she was. It's so good. It's so, so good. Um, And then we'll talk about Hereditary. Cause oh, be geez. a great, great segue. I watched it the first time, and like Josh, yeah. um, two weeks ago. Yeah, I, I couldn't
1: remember if you, you had spoken about it on the podcast yet, so I was like, should no. I bring it up? Because um, we saw it together. Yeah, we saw it together. I saw, you it, saw first it a time, second time. I saw it time. a second
0: time with you. The first time I saw it, I would like, Josh, in a cinema alone. <laughs> I saw it with my mum. My mum had to walk out. She got really freaked out by it. Um, and.
1: Oh, I can totally see why now. Yep. Okay. Well,
0: during the seance scene, she doesn't do well yeah. with the seance stuff. And I was kind of like living for it. And I love the sound design. <laughs> so, the sound design is so much more effective than sound design.
1: Is, oh, man. That, that's the thing. With horror, sound design is key. And, and it's usually a thing that people don't notice, but when you do start taking notice of it, it's something that just brings the whole film together and fucking hereditary. Mm. Jesus, the sound design in that is flawless. Um,
0: It oh. is, it is, and I think it's even more, watching it a second time, I was picking up on so many little things that they were doing that was just mm. brilliant. Um, visually, that movie is stunning every shot is there Uh,
1: it's something i always bring up how i watch shitty films so i can not analyze but this is a movie that i feel like it is so good that i can enjoy it but at the same time i can't not analyze it everything that's going in frame is just so perfectly chosen and Every decision is purposeful. It's, it's. Oh.
0: I think to me, like, I mean, that might be a whole podcast episode talking about how to watch movies. Cause a lot of people say, Oh, doesn't that ruin movies? And it's like, no, no, no. Because when you see a good one and when you see like a phenomenal one, you almost yeah. forget yeah, that I, you make films. Absolutely. Um, And to me, it's not like, it's not, Oh, you're seeing behind the curtain and it's just a frumpy old man. Who's pretending to be a wizard. You're seeing mm. behind the curtain. You're seeing this wonderful, like clock with precision clockwork yeah. that most audiences aren't privy to I, it's like magic tricks like when you see a really good magic trick and it makes you go how the fuck like if you know like I'm mm. full confession a bit of a card magic <laughs> nerd and a lot of people say, once you know about like 20% of moves you can kind yeah. of guess 100% of magic tricks and so when you see it done really well yes you know how it's done but you're like god that was good
1: it's, like why you have and a, tell it's such a great show
0: <laughs> you have a really great understanding of just how much work went into it. You're not yeah. You're not seeing the, the surface level stuff, and you can enjoy it at the surface level. I think I enjoy stuff more when I can see the the work that we do, especially mm. when you understand how hard it is to get a camera to do that move, how yeah. much work and time went into just making that one moment.
1: See, for me, it, it's, it sometimes ruins it depending on the film. Hereditary, uh, hereditary is like raw in the sense that I was analysing it and it just made me love it more, whereas something like Alien Covenant, because – it is technically should be good and I can see all the good things working complicit. and because it's not working, but I can see how it would work. It makes me hate it even more. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, um,
0: uh, but hereditary is, I think it's my second viewing confirmed as my favorite movie of the year to date. Awesome. Um, up there with love Simon in a quiet place. I think it's better because great, great so much more of it is, um, uh, intricate. Yeah. I think it, more than love Simon and. A Quiet Place, I love A Quiet Place. I adore A Quiet Place, but the first 20 minutes don't quite. There's a little bit of unsureness about the camera yep. work. It's an excellent movie and you need to see it. I will but, get around to um, it. Uh, I think Hereditary is from the get-go, from that opening shot. You yep. you will know you're in the filmmaker's hands who knows exactly what the fuck he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's, it's not Ari, it's Ari Aster. That's because you you guys were trying to pronounce it on the podcast. It's Ari Asta, which is a bit weird. He's um,
1: and he's made In like my defense, it was Josh trying to pronounce it. Um But he I made, would have missed like it. The
0: guy's famous made these really controversial short films. He made one called The Strange Thing About the Johnsons, and it's about a family where the son is raping the father. It's like a real and it's like a black family, and it's just it, w- it made waves at festivals because everyone's like, What the fuck is going on? Like they're Whoa. uncomfortable as hell. And that's what's great about I think *Hereditary*. It just it the tonal control on that movie is exquisite, and I think it's so much better than even people who like it give it credit for. Yeah. Um, but so so horror so good
1: segue into that because um, horror. Someone is in- didn't ask me what I've oh, been fuck. watching. No,
0: ha- suck it. No, because I'm normally the last one to go. What have you been watching, Chancellor?
1: Good question. Well, you know, I knew the topic was coming up for horror films, so I decided to watch *When Harry Met Sally* for the first time.
0: Wait, you haven't seen that? Okay. No, you no. cannot okay. give me crap okay. <laughs> for not seeing things because when Harry met Sally is a fucking classic.
1: I, I believe I did. I, I've watched it when I was younger. I didn't remember it. I've tried to watch it with my wife recently, and she, she just got distracted and didn't want to watch it. And we watched it just two days ago, and holy shit, it's so it's good. so good. I I it's it's because f- I'm such like a fan of the romantic comedy genre, and seeing this film, which kind of as i understand is like the one that really made the genre a thing but it's so much it's elevated yeah. a bunch and
0: you, that's why you need to see my best friend's wedding my best friend's yeah. wedding and when harry and Sally are both for me peak rom-com, mm. peak rom-com. Uh, I,
1: I will say uh, about halfway through the movie i really started getting worried i'm like oh no are they are they not gonna get together no no But no, ah, it it was a really satisfying movie. I
0: love that it's such a thorough exploration of a single question: It's can women and men, heterosexual women and men, be friends without sex getting in the way? I love that it's an exploration of that. I think the performance is great. The writing is really great. Nora Ephron, uh, what's his name? Um, 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 Stand by me, director uh, Rob Reiner. Rob, Rob yeah, Rob Reiner. That's Rob Reiner. I mean, that's one of his best up there with. Uh, uh, the Stand Princess by me. Bride. <laughs> um, it is so good. It's endlessly quotable. And the stuff, even though it's so known and it's so yep. part of the zeitgeist, it still plays strong. Oh, it's absolutely. So strong. I would like to partake of your pizza. <laughs> I, I just, I love it. It's now so I good. finally
1: get that reference. Um, But yeah, and then I uh, followed that up with watching Romancing the Stone. Uh, <sighs> yes. Just because I realized I it was Robert Zemeckis. And I was like, well, now I've got to watch it and Wait, analyze it.
0: How did you not realize? That was my first... Other than Back to the Future, that was my first Robert Zemeckis.
1: I loved that movie before I loved films, so I never really <laughs> took note of it. It was just part of my life. Uh, and, and, yeah, I forgot I was reading up on Robert Zemeckis after the director's episode, El and Corazon. I was like, oh, fuck, he made Romancing the Stone? Now I've got to watch it again. And uh, I I, met, I messaged Zane right after watching it, because one huge thing was ruined for me. You know our Waluigi Wario movie?
0: Yeah, yeah, it happened in- It
1: happens in Romancing the Stone. Yeah. Danny DeVito and his cousin character. They are Wario and Waluigi in that movie. (laughs) Ah, really upsetting. Uh, I love
0: the end shot of that movie. It's such a classical and yet such a riff on the classic. Like the boat going down Manhattan is like, (laughs) I need to rewatch that and I need to watch Jewel of the Nile.
1: Yes. Uh, And I I watched it right after watching it. really? And does it make you like it less? It did. <laughs> I still genuinely like the film. Okay. But it, on a, a creative level, one. it is not nearly as good as the first one. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of story elements I like.
0: It's Kathleen Turner in the lead, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I love Kathleen
1: Turner. Oh,
0: Kathleen yeah, Turner in A Simple Wish. Yeah. Have you seen A Simple Wish? No. Are you kidding me? So this was like the follow up to the girl from Matilda. And yeah. she did this follow up where she's like, she gets a fairy godmother. Fairy godmother is played by Martin Short.
1: Oh, okay, now it's ringing a bell, yeah. And
0: um, and Kathleen Turner's The Evil Witch, and it is a classic. It is a 90s classic. I feel like I have
1: watched it when I was younger because the the Martin Short is the fairy godmother. It's
0: NAFTA, the National American Fairy Godmothers Association. (laughs) Like, no, do you... And she makes a simple wish, and like dad turns into a statue, and so she has to undo it in time. And the wand gets broken, and there's this sh sh sh, sh-, sh- boom. Do you not? Oh my I god! Don't. You next time you're over at my house, we are watching this movie. I am
1: totally okay with that.
0: I quote Martin Short is endlessly quotable in that movie.
1: Um, and then finally, uh, I watched Hereditary with you. Now we can get on with the subject with an excellent yes. segue. So
0: horror, so cycles of horror, so because horror is one of those genres. It's been there almost since the beginning of cinema. It really yeah. has, because it's dealing with a fantastic, it's dealing with fear, which is such a primal emotion. Um, and a lot of people have kind of uh, realised that it kind of runs in cycles. Did you have anything on this talking point, or do you want me to just... just
1: you 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 go ahead. Okay,
0: so, so it runs in cycles, and there's a lot of actual academic essays and things about mm. the cycles of horror. Um, and so I thought we'd talk a little bit about the history, the cycles of horror, and then what cycle we're in now. So it pretty much, the monster movie was kind of the first one. It was the Draculas, the Frankensteins, yeah. the... Um, Wolfman, all that kind of stuff, from pretty much the nineteen, the late nineteen tens, through to the. 90s, Would 30s, you 40s.
1: consider German Expressionism part of that, or before that, like a precursor to horror? Because, well,
0: I mean Nosferatu. Yeah,
1: Nosferatu is exactly um, the what. Cabinet I'm thinking of Dr. Of. Caligari. Yep. Uh, kind of because a lot of that horror from the Universal. Uh, well, Universal was ones,
0: peak. Universal was yeah. kind of like the. There's usually like these cycles they have. All these different things, and then there's one in which everything is hinging on. And the Universal monster movies were the ones in which everything around yeah. that era hinged on, and riffed on. German expressionism was a little different, mm. um, but it kind of moved. It was kind of like that for a good twenty, thirty years, other than like mainstream horror, mainstream movies that weren't horror. Yeah. Um, in the fifties and the sixties, it shifted, and it became sort of the Red Terror movies, the science, yes. like you know the the nuclear, there was all all the Cold War. It, it Horror is such a heavily influenced by the political goings-on at the time, World War One being the first yeah. phrase. It's specifically why the German expressionism stuff was like the way it was. It was these Germans being sort of traumatised by the things that went on. And then there was the 50s and 60s, the Red Terror, yeah. the nuclear, the sci-fi. Everyone was scared if science was breaking out.
1: This is one of the things why I think uh, the invasion of the body snatchers I'm going to say series of remakes is so interesting to watch because each one of those is made in a time. It's like each one of those Invasion of the Body Snatcher movies is made in a different cycle. So even though it's technically the same script, it's it, well, the same story, it's been inspired by. What's happening at that time? The, the greatest uh, example is the invasion of the body snatchers with um Leonard Nimoy in that, which is the best one.
0: That's the dog face thing, isn't yes. It? <laughs> uh, and
1: the um the follow up, the body snatchers, which is like on a military base, and it was made in the eighties. Very different movies, but with these same things. It's very, and then of course the invasion Asian. with Daniel Craig and Nicole, <laughs> Nicole, Kidman. Nicole Kidman.
0: Um, so. But what these were? These ones were about about our internalized. So you see, monster movies were about external yep. uh, fears, whereas the 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 fifties and sixties were about our internal fears made external. They were anthropomorphized into, mm. you know, the day the earth stood still, the attack of the fifty foot women was men yep. being shit scared of women becoming more powerful than women them. are scary. Uh, they are very scary. That's why I date men. Um, <laughs>
1: It was a choice.
0: Yes. Didn't you hear? Isn't that what everyone says? All right. Um, well, now it's
1: been legalized yeah, the marriage. Yeah, yeah, Everyone's yeah. deciding.
0: Yep. And when we're going to run out of babies because apparently, if all the boys get with all the boys and all the girls get with all the girls, we're never going to have babies.
1: Well, that's like environmentally yeah. a good thing
0: <laughs> i know right um gays but, are uh, saving the world what happened in the late 60s is it was the very start and it didn't kind of become a big thing until the 70s but the slasher kind of started yeah. with have you heard of a movie called peeping tom yeah michael powell they made us watch this in in uni, and i didn't appreciate it at the time i've kind of come to appreciate his Powell as in powell and pressburger who did the red shoes who did black yeah. narcissus and he went off on his own and he did this movie peeping tom about a guy with a camera and he like stalks women and kills them with like the pointy end of a tripod stick.
1: Tripods um, are scary.
0: And he got like eviscerated and shut down by critics who said this was cheap. It was nasty. It was totally, he got basically, that was like the last kind of film he did. And he got shut out from filmmaking because this was seen as such a trashy movie. <laughs> and it's now considered an unbelievable classic. Um, and it, I believe uh, uh, Peeping Tom was before Psycho. Yeah, or I was just about to say, the same time Psycho is the one I Psycho always hear about. Psycho codified it. Psycho codified most of the horror language post it's being made. Yep. Of course, Hitchcock is going to fucking do that. Hitchcock did that with everything, pretty <laughs> much. Uh, he did it with action. He did action. All the action adventure stuff we watch now has been codified. He's kind of yep. like, Hitchcock was like the Bach of films. Bach <laughs> codified music, <laughs> yeah. even though it was being made before bark. Bark codified all of the kind of language that we then use and have riffed on, Hitchcock kind of did that for cinema. Um, uh, and we also had the very precursor, Night of the Living Dead in 1968, yeah. which I still haven't seen, but I've got, it's on SBS On Demand. I, okay. I want a high def version because it went public domain. There's just a bunch of shitty copies. I want as nice a pristine version because I don't want it to be ruined by, oh, that's bad, um, in 1968. And so we got to the 70s and Italy Grabbed onto the Giallo film. Yes, of course. Uh, which is the word for yellow. And that's like your Mario Barbers. That's your um, uh, Suspiria. Yeah, I was going to say Suspiria
1: big, is the one, big one.
0: It's not even really a Giallo film, though. That's Isn't what's it? interesting. Not quite, because the Giallos are very specific. It's women being hunted by a serial killer. And Dario Argento did a movie called The Bird with the Crystal Plumage, which was mm. the big his first big hit. And then he did Um a Profondo Rosso, or Deep Red, which I haven't seen. Um. Uh, they did a big screening of all these films at at Gomar, and i saw i saw saw, Suspiria, I saw the four k restoration of Suspiria yeah. it's the second time seeing it. I saw it in a really shitty thirty five mm print I still don't i feel like I need to appreciate that movie more because there is a lot to love in it, but there's just so much in it that I'm like i this short sure, people surely aren't watching this and saying this is a masterpiece <laughs> the moment i don't i feel like I need to watch it maybe with people or something, maybe you should watch it with me or something yeah. like that. Because there's a lot, the colour, the use of colour in that movie is standing in the first murder that happened in sort of essentially the prologue. Stunning. But there's just a lot that is like, what the fuck is this? But it was hugely influential. And then the stasher kind of took hold, 70s Halloween. Yeah. is sort of the big one. It was an independent produced movie and for a long time it was the most successful movie financially speaking. Um, on, the, on the more prestige studio side, we had the cycle of Evil Children
1: which was Children of the, the Corn, Exorcist, exorcist The Omen. Omen. And this is in the 60s with yeah.
0: youth and the whole peace movement. And so people were very scared of youths. Uh, like the, the people with money were scared of the kids. So yeah. you had The Exorcist, you had um, The Omen. you had Which you Alice. haven't seen. I haven't seen. You have Alice Sweet Alice, um, which is a it's a girl who walks around with a mask, which just murders people. It's a terrifying mask. Um, and then the next cycle was sort of the eighties where the block, but I mean, Jaws came in and made the blockbuster. I think Jaws is like 1976, 77. Yep. I'm not hundred percent certain on the date, but that sort of then led to the blockbuster horror movie. And you had sort of the, the poltergeists of yeah. the world. Um, in the independent world, you had like the Freddy Krueger's, you had sort of these more, there's a lot of camp, a lot of a lot camp of in camp. the eighties, yeah. significant amount of camp in the eighties. Um, in the nineties, Horror kind of died. We There was a big saturation of it because of the video market, big saturation of horror. So the horror kind of died with the exception of something like um, a few ghost movies were very big. The Sixth Sense, yep. The Others, The Blair Witch Project, which isn't exactly a ghost movie, but it is a ghost movie. And The Blair Witch Project had this delayed reaction to <laughs> kicking like, in. Like
1: 15 years before it. Because it
0: was so ahead of its time in terms of the marketing. It was viral mm. marketing before viral marketing was a word that anyone used. They used the internet um, and all that kind of stuff. And on Scream was obviously a big one. But Scream kind of led to this satire parody of horror movies. We were so saturated with horror we needed to comment on that.
1: Which is interesting because it's Wes Craven who pretty much created that 80s camp style with things like Nightmare on Elm Street (laughs) coming back and going, hey, look how silly it is.
0: Yeah, because I think he got really sick of it.
1: Oh, he did. Um, (laughs) And
0: then what happened is that kind of died down because we got to a scary movie three or four yeah, and everyone's like done. I'm done with this sort of stuff. And so there's a movie I haven't watched this yet, but Guillermo del Toro has tweeted about it. And so it's on my pile as being sort of the first one that bucked the trend back into real horror, horror. real, sorry, real and serious horror. It's called a movie called session nine, which I haven't watched yet, but I believe it's on Netflix. Netflix or Stan or SBS On Demand, something like that. Um, when it comes to horror, there are but it three became, options. But then we went into the cycle of the J-horror in the 2000s. We had oh, I remember the, the Ring, J-horror. We had The Grudge. We had – it was just Japanese horror being completely adapted by American audiences. I think The Ring is a really good movie. The Ring worked. I love it. It's Gore Verbinski, though. He's such yeah. a visual director. Um, and I think, it's, I think The Ring is a little scarier than Ringu. Apparently, hmm. ju is scarier than The Grudge. I've well, only seen The Grudge. Well, The Grudge,
1: the grudge the- is Ju-On 3. Uh, the the Grudge isn't based on the first two movies. Oh, right.
0: I've seen The Grudge and The Grudge 2, and I, I liked some things, but I wasn't really into it. I, liked- I was
1: never scared of them. I yeah. was scared of The Ring. Yeah. And that was... Okay, I was when- never scared of The when, Ring. When did that but come it took out? Me we were-
0: I had to watch it later, because I got into horror really late, but then hit it hard, because I love it. It's a such- to me, I think it's a really cinematic genre. Yeah. It's the one where it's the most, where you can do the most and the the, the suspension of disbelief for how much you're doing visually is really wide. You have this really wide window. But um, the, and then the the Gorno or the the torture porn with Saw yep. triggered, Saw in 2004 triggered the torture porn for the late half of the 2000s. Hostel, every ripoff of Hostel. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the found footage resurgence, which happened late 2000s and then kicked in in the early 2010s um, with uh, paranormal, paranormal activity. activity was the big one, which I believe was 2006 or 2007 or 2009, eight, nine, eight, nine, nine, somewhere around the very late 2000s. Um, I, I
1: didn't get into them until late. Mm. And we had a
0: very, it was just basically found footage. Apparently there was a time when studios would only do horror. They want to do like a found footage version of Friday the 13th. They were only oh. doing horror if it was found footage because that was super cheap, huge bucks. Um, and then in the 2010s, which is sort of what we're going, is this kind of throwback. It's kind of split. We have split yeah. between, and I don't want to use these terms derogatively, really highbrow and lowbrow horror, but they're sort of like the, 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 um, there's sort of like a grandiose horror and then there's this sort of grounded horror. Um, for example, and they're referencing all kinds of genres. So for me, the grandiose is like the conjuring yeah. movies where there's a lot of throwback to these seventies styles, um, and structurally they kind of and we'll talk about them in a bit, but um Blumhouse sort of categorizes the other version of it. Uh yeah. or, or or some of it. Blumhouse is very he makes very um I admire what he, the stuff he does, even the movies I don't like, more because they fit a very specific – they know their audience, they fit it, the, the truth or dares of the world <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. Um, uh, and then you have, like, the indie horror scene, which is getting really good. deep and really good. A24 is sort of peaked that. A24 release a horror movie just about every year, and they do it to – I think their plans, they do it to make money to make their other weirder movies.
1: Yeah. Um, I think of those indie horrors. The only <laughs> one I haven't liked so far was It Comes at Night. Yep. Which you know, uh, is well, your fault. actually,
0: <laughs> I wrote it down here. A, a, a better term to use is this divide between the entertaining horror and the confronting horror. Okay. Yeah. There's more, horrors that are more confronting that make people uncomfortable, and there's the ones that people are comfortable with. They still get scared, they jump, and all that, but they're comfortable with that form.
1: So that's like the so the comfortable one is stuff like uh, truth, truth or Dare. Or dare. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The Slender Man movie um, even i put
0: The Conjuring as a horror that people are comfortable with, but it's, I think it's a, a better produced, better written yep. kind of thing because it has more – budget, has 30 million as opposed to two. Um, so what does a modern horror film look like?
1: Well, you, like you said, you've got those two very different styles at the, that are going at the moment. You, mm. you have things like Hereditary, which uses the, – the way, the way the, it uses colour. In, the color. indie
0: horrors. Um,
1: and, and muted colour. Yeah. Um, and, th- and then you've got things like uh, Truth or Dare or stuff like that, which uses- There's a
0: lot of- uh, Well, I was going to say with the indie ones, there's a lot of cinematic craft. Yeah. Whereas um, I think the, the the Blumhouse kind of things focus on a, a narrative mm. thing. So if I've, I've kind of got here, like the Blumhouse one, there's a very clear hook. For example, yeah. Happy Death Day. She dies, it's Groundhog Day, but she's being murdered and she has to solve her murder before it happens.
1: Um, What's that stupid fucking (laughs) uh, unfriended where it's all a Skype call? It's
0: all a Skype call or even um, uh, 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 Truth or Dare. It's the Truth or Dare game and it's haunted. The haunted game of Truth or Dare. Um, There's lots of showmanship. They're big on the jump scares. There's a prototypical in the structure of the movie. There's a teaser and an epilogue yeah to it and then but what's interesting and why i appreciate plum house as a thing is because he'll make those and then he can come out with something like get out
1: Mm. which
0: almost uses that form and then really subverts it it's it's very confronting from a narrative point of view but it fits that box of the entertaining horror and you know get out has the uh, prologue it has it doesn't quite have an epilogue yeah it has the prologue and it has sort of the mystery. It has a clear kind of a hook. It's just dealing with something a little more confronting than what we're used to then. know it's a ghost. It's a monster. It's a thing. Um, the indie horror ambiguity is a huge part of it. I think for hereditary, I don't know if you were getting this, but it could all be in Tony Collette's
1: head. I really was worried that it was going to be until the third act happened. <laughs> and which is why the third act was so satisfying to me. Cause like, I was like, Oh no, it's all going to be in Tony Collette's head. Isn't it the moment? Uh I don't feel no but you can spoil even, but you can even buy when she a- burns the book, that was when I was like, Oh no, it's all in her head, isn't it? And then the sun woke up and I was like, Oh no, no, it's gone crazy cool. Yeah.
0: But you could also determine that as being like a fever dream hallucination kind of thing. It's the kind of horror I'm working on at the moment. Yeah. Um. It's like, and it's drawing from, and I hate just putting this out there, Roman Polanski is a fuckwit. Yeah. Um, rapist dickhead. But they're pulling from Rosemary's Baby, which is very influential. Mm. I saw it not that long ago. And it's- Rosemary's, That would have been a
1: great double feature, watching Rosemary's yeah, Baby in that. Yeah.
0: Um, and uh, Rosemary's Baby- plays as if none of the supernatural stuff is real and it plays as if all of it's real yeah. at the same time and I think hereditary works. A lot of people don't like the third act of Hereditary. It's kind of had this bad reaction. It's got a D on cinema score which is like audience rated audiences are rating it really bad. They're hating it I, I I lament this fact. I get that they want a cleaner movie but why like why can't you have both? Why can't you enjoy the conjuring and enjoy hereditary at the same time? The witch is the same. Which is one hundred percent the same thing. Audience, yeah. I saw it in an audience, and the thing finished, and the people were like, people behind me, like, "What the fuck was that?" I was enraptured by this phenomenal ending shot of the witch. Yeah. Oh, I the, love, the ending. Like, I, mean, I would every say. every shot is, in the witch yeah. could be a painting. Whereas I think Hereditary is not. I think that's where the focus. of The witch was on moon tone atmosphere. Is Hereditary had a bit more of a plot, dramatic yeah. thing going, and but the the witch even still works. As oh, ambiguity. Ambiguity is such a huge thing. And it almost doubles as another genre. The the witch is a period um thriller almost. Period family drama. Mm. Hered- and it was mostly drama. Hereditary is a family drama. Dealing yeah. with grief, dealing with loss, dealing with complications. Um and, and then the studio horrors you have, there's huge production values. Um big names usually, you've got some mm. well-known actors, whereas these other horrors don't always the witch is the sort of the hereditary is a bit of an exception. Um, and a lot of the studio ones have happy endings with like an ending gag. So, um, the Conjuring has a happy ending, but then there's like the, the nun appears as like a final jump scare, which is a very prototypical thing that these indie horrors don't do. Yeah. Um, so how does this current horror compare to older generations?
1: It's hard to compare them. I feel like even though it is the same genre, I feel like it's apples to oranges because because every wave of genre, of horror films has set up its own thing um Halloween Halloween for example I would say is one of the most flawless horror films ever and then you have the remake of Halloween which was which what remake? 2000 and,
0: the 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 Rob Zombie one the
1: Rob Zombie one no the next one's a sequel even though it has the oh, same name right. and Halloween H2O like and the <laughs> whatever it they have sequels as well um but yeah, the fact that these those two films are technically the same story, but they are movies of their time. Yeah. Have you seen the Rob Zombie one yet?
0: I have not. I've only, I've only seen the original one, and can I be 100% honest? The first time I watched it, I was like, that's it? Like that's what
1: all the hype is about. Get the fuck out. No, that's okay. I do need,
0: I think I need to watch it with an and that's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. We're going to do coming down the track in Halloween. We're going to marathon all the Halloweens, then watch oh, the new one oh, and cool. do a whole episode. Spoiler about, alert. Like, like the Marvel episode, but just on a single franchise. I okay. Be very interesting. Oh, and we're going to get Alex in. He'll, oh, he'll, brilliant. He'll be he loves really Halloween. Yeah. Be really great to talk about it. Um, I didn't like, I got, I think, though, because Halloween was so influential, mm. I'm coming from that point where you're watching all the stuff that's riffed on it absolutely, and then you're coming back to the source and you're like, oh, well, I've seen all of this before because that movie exists. Yeah, So I think I need to rewatch it again. Like, same with Suspiria. I appreciated Suspiria more the second time. Mm-hmm. First time I was kind of like, what the fuck is going on? Um, but I think now compared to older times, um, the genre lines are way more blurred now. Oh, they absolutely. Were very, very clear almost up until – the 90s. I think that Sixth Sense is kind of, is it a drama? Or is it a horror? It plays as yep. both. Um, that cross of genres. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think there's a lot more realism in terms of the ghosts, the effects, um, the blood. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's blood a great- is it, uh,
1: The Evil Dead remake, uh, the way they use blood in that compared to the original, and that was a budgetary thing. That was, you know, yeah. very cheap um, But movie. even, like, just the colour of blood used to
0: be very, mm. very red, especially in, like, the Giallo films. Yeah. It's very- Milky, not milky white. It's but it's very. It's not opaque. It's not. It doesn't look like blood. And that was part of the design. There's a really great video. Um, a video. A channel on YouTube called Filmmaker IQ. I'll talk yeah. about it more next week because it's uh, they have a whole video. But they do a video just on the history of movie blood. Oh, cool. And how like the Hammer horror had a specific blood that yeah. influenced the Hammer horror blood is the one
1: I'm kind of talking about where it's that very
0: ri- uh, not rich. It's very mm. solid
1: red. Yeah. Um. I, I. I. One thing, and this is. Weird thing to say, but uh, the thing I love about horror blood these days is the stickiness to it. It's like you can feel how sticky blood is yeah, yeah. on the screen, which uh, I don't know how they've uh, uh, managed that. I, but.
0: I struggle making blood for Red Curtain Hell. I really did. That's like a whole thing um but i think they're also formally ambitious as mm. in they're more experimental they were quite experimental back in the day but there was very clear narrative driven whereas hereditary by the end of it is almost an experimental film yeah especially that end shot which is technically like in the spoiler alert in the cubby house but it's all black around it which it's not real there's just a lot of stuff that doesn't quite compute but it, it, it's more about mood and atmosphere um and narratively ambitious things like mm. get out yeah. I think we were when we did political stuff in the sixties, the seventies, and the eighties, a lot of it is metaphor, whereas get out is like racism is the evil. Yeah. It's very clear, and it's what I'm dealing with in my horror movie, and it's this sort kind of revelation that you can do it.
1: You really need to watch Night of the Living Dead Man. Um
0: Camp is also almost non existent in camp modern Is stuff. there I
1: feel like sometimes it's a, a
0: it's very – it's very. what's the word I'm looking for? Um, yeah, I'm trying to think uh, of the word um, as well. Post-modern camp. Yeah. Something like Drag Me to Hell.
1: I was about to say, Sam yeah.
0: Raimi's stuff is very, very post-modern camp, mm. and he also codified a lot of the camp stuff in the 80s anyway, so it's kind of this really cool thing. Um, but a really good way to see that is Suspiria, the original to the – re I don't know if you've seen the trailer for the remake of yeah. Suspiria. You could not get more polyps. ups Suspiria 1 is so much camp, and then the remake looks like it's like – dead straight horror movie, so it would be really, really in- – I'm actually – I don't love Luca Guadagnino as a director after the things he pulled with Call Me By Your Name and then the news that broke out after, but um, not that he's like a rapist or anything. It's just that things that I caught on to – in Call Me – I'm totally tangent <laughs> – Call Me By Your Name, all the romantic scenes, the camera – racks focus off them, it pans away, there's no sex, there's no real nudity, maybe see like a flash of arse, and it pulls away, and I got really bugged by that. I'm like, I felt like they were holding back because the story felt like it was moving towards being very open about these things, Yeah, Luca Guadagnino talked about it being a creative choice to not go that typical way, yada, yada, and it sounded like bullshit to me. After he won the Oscar, the writer said, oh, no, there was sex and nudity in the whole movie, And the actor's contract said no. So we basically pretended like Luca Guadagnino and there were conversations about nudity and how they were going to film it. And Luca Guadagnino pretended it was a creative choice so as not to seem like a douchebag or try and like it's pretentiousness at its most literal. And I smelt that out while watching the movie and no one else seemed to, a couple of people did. There's some articles and stuff like that, but I would argue with people people get really angry at me They're saying Ew, it's it's a real thing. And then I'm like, no, the writer of the movie came out and said there were conversations about this that then got undone because of contractual things, it's got nothing to do with a creative choice. And so that bugged me. Uh, him as a director, why couldn't he just own up? He says, look, I wanted to, but we can't. So we're making deal with making it more romantic rather than sexual. That's a to me a much more honest way of going about it. So I'm not sold on him as a director, but I think yep. I saw the trailer and it looks interesting for Suspiria. I hate the font, the typeface they've picked for the titles. It just looks rubbish what are the strengths of modern horror and what are some examples
1: well i think the technology honestly uh can like lead to a lot of uh great opportunities these days like um already said the evil dead remake uh but then you have times where they they overdo it like in the thing prequel where yep yeah uh we all know how i feel about the practical versus visual effects in that sense um but then again uh oh i'm trying to think of one Recently, where, uh, oh, The Omen's another time where it was just completely pointless. Um, there the was the remake? Yeah. The, oh, okay. the, you know the original is flawless. I have told you this and you need Tell to Tell me that, watch but it. isn't
0: it just like nothing, like there's no plot to it? It's just bad, like like bad stuff just happens around the kid.
1: And there's a guy trying to kill him. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, don't worry, people just are trying to, just, to like, kill bad kids, Bad stuff it's happens fine.
0: around the kid, the end. Yeah. And I was like, "Well, oh, that doesn't sound very interesting." And even though we, are everyone hyped up. Everyone hyped up the Exorcist, and I think that ruined the Exorcist for me. And so that's why I'm hesitant to watch. Yeah, the the Omen Omen. shit,
1: don't even watch it. But you, you come watch it sometime. <laughs> we should do a marathon.
0: <laughs> we should do. We should do a horror. We should do a horror month. We oh. should talk about the Omen one, and then we do. We talk about horror franchises. We should do like Saw. We should do Omen, and we should do End on Halloween.
1: Okay, that's great. That's, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. We'll do like. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll do a couple of weeks. Okay, this will be good. This will be yeah, good. 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 Sorry. October, this is, yes. This
1: is setting up October, so we're, what, three months? So horror fans, two months? and if you love horror, send
0: out and tell people that we're doing
1: a big horror
0: month <laughs> so so we get more subscribers and we can beat the other podcasts on this network because I want to beat <laughs> all of the other podcasts on this network. That's
1: all we're about. We're just all about beating 100%, 100%. people. 100%. Um, oh, wait, we're talking about strengths, right? Yeah, strengths yeah, okay, right, cool. and examples. Um. Uh, well, the well, the um, the, the themes... Now I think uh can be better. See every single strength. I feel like I can think of half a uh, half a dozen films recently that don't do that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think there, there's richer and more complex storytelling. Even really great, something great like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, which for my money is my favorite horror movie of all time. It's uh, it's a very simple plot, and there's a yep. lot you can draw from it. But I think we're like Hereditary is a very complex, mm. very rich narrative and themes, and I think we were bit too scared even something as grand as the exorcist and as influential as the exorcist is quite simple very simple whereas we're much more open to this ambiguity which we didn't quite have um i think the sources of cinematic form we're pulling from a lot more outside genres yeah the drama to hereditary you know and that's enriching the visual language of horror which was very codified you know the mirror shot all that kind of stuff and now we're starting to pull from other places and it's it's letting it evolve whereas a lot mm. of other genres don't like sci-fi is very hard for to get it to evolve visually from 2001 and yep. that's a great movie to pull from but we need to start pulling from all places otherwise the genre dies and horror is now very open to pulling from those vi- other visual languages um, in the Blumhouse case what's mm. actually a really good strength of it just from a business standpoint is it's propping up the studios it's a whole business unto itself, yeah. Um, and it can give breaks to unknown actors and unknown directors because it doesn't. Requ- it's a genre that doesn't require. it. Whereas even in the past, like they wanted, you know, Ellen Burstyn, and you'd have like the kids, but then they'd be locked in the poor, poor. Yeah, Reagan. I can't remember the actress's name. That's how bad it is. Uh, she's locked into that the rest of her life. Whereas now, it's giving people a
1: jumping-off point more so than before. These are much better strengths than my strengths. I didn't even think of like.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, what are the weaknesses in the example of the uh, modern
1: horror? The fact that there are so many strengths when you don't live up to those strengths. Woo. Yeah. Uh,
0: there's a lot of stinkers. Yeah. And it's because there's more being made. There's a lot more crap being made. Mm. Um, quite a few. However, I I accept the existence of the truth or dares because it means we get Get Out. <laughs> yeah. And Get Out is such an. I think Get Out is going to influence so much. It's already influenced me. Literally, the horror script I'm writing was spurred on by seeing Get Out. Yeah. Um, and if we have to have truth or dare in order to get Get Out, that is a price I am <laughs> more than happy to pay because truth or dare makes some money. It makes it keeps people yeah. employed. It's like it's it's the it's it's a job for people and it's great. Um, I think uh, some weaknesses. Have you got some weaknesses? Uh, the,
1: the remake. The remake problem, yeah, which franchise I, heavy, yeah. I, I think remakes can be great. Invasion of the Body Snatches is a great example of remakes being different.
0: Then the Invasion is an example of being, then better.
1: the Invasion, yeah, is an example of being shit. Um, uh, but yeah, even like a franchise heavy franchise problem because I feel like horror franchises never become scary. They always mm. fall apart.
0: Um, I think they could, it can often kill, like, if there's a really great first movie and then it can kill subsequent ones. Like, I really hope they don't do a sequel to Get Out. Get Out needs to stand on
1: its own. I can't imagine how they'd do a sequel they'd to it. they do something but...
0: else about, probably, it was like a female in the lead and similar kind of thing. It'll be someone from the same.
1: Oh, so they'll hostile it.
0: Yeah, something like that. Um, I think another problem is the indie horrors can get, too cerebral yeah. and too all about the tone that they forget to tell a story like It, it Comes, Comes at tonight. Night, yep. which is all mood and tone and atmosphere without any substance to it, and then that kind of falls flat. I think It Comes at Night is what people are complaining about. Hereditary. Yeah. Hereditary is a much stronger movie. The Witch is much stronger I feel like movie.
1: not enough people saw It Comes at Night for people to complain about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think – I think the sort of the franchise everything, and we did this in the 80s too, the franchise, linear yeah. franchise happened oh, absolutely. in
1: the 80s. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street is the perfect example Friday the 13th. Of, yeah, Friday the 13th. Leprechaun. Oh, H- Halloween. Um, hey, Halloween. Leprechaun's perfect. Fuck Leprechaun off. Leprechaun in space. It is the best. No, actually, uh, 4 is Leprechaun the only movie I haven't in seen. in the hood, and then back to the hood. Yeah, they went to the hood twice, man. It's great. 5 and 6, <laughs> perfect movies. Um, but it can also
0: kind of save a franchise. I think Annabelle and Ouija- the first of both those movies are awful and the sequels are actually really good. <laughs> Ouija 2, Origin of Evil, I've talked about on the podcast before. It's a really great movie. Annabelle Creation is a really great movie and the first Ouija is terrible. The first Annabelle is awful and they even have good actors like Alfred Woodward. Um, so horror and the audience, because this is kind of a horror's relationship with the audience. I think one of the known facts with these cycles, teenagers are always at the front centre. Young people... Yeah make up the bulk of this audience, the eighteen to twenty-fives. It's like a, it's horror. It's this it's this edginess thing. I think good movies good audiences can make a horror movie and they can also break it. We've oh, talked yeah. about it.
1: Uh paranormal activity. I saw paranormal activity three. It was the first one I watched. Wait, no three? Was that the one in the seventies? Uh, I I th- I think I no watched idea. two first then. So Paranormal Activity Two I saw in uh in the cinemas. Paranormal with activity
0: a- two is the security footage.
1: Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, two was the first one I watched, and I saw that in a packed cinema, and that was one of the most fun movies I had seen in a long time. See,
0: Paranormal Activity One, I saw with a packed cinema, but it was all terrible children who would. The girls in front of me were talk, with just, they went there because, oh, it's scary even They were jumping at every little thing, and then the guys behind me were like the mature, like the the ones who are only like a couple years old, and they're like, shut the fuck up,
1: it's not that fucking
0: scary. So, it ruined what would have been a really great movie for me. Uh um, well, that being
1: said I think watching them alone things like hereditary yeah, oh god fun the the amount of cuz uh because my wife doesn't like horror I usually have to watch it when she's out of the house or something or when she's asleep so I'm usually watching them alone ooh they see, make I watched the
0: exorcist alone in a stormy dark night did nothing for me. I was that's what part of this point. I watched in perfect circumstances yeah. and just didn't play. Are we saying the watch best audience for
1: horror films is not an audience?
0: Oh well that's how I saw Hereditary. It scared the crap out of me. It depends it depends. It has to be a good willing audience to sit down and shut up and enjoy the mood. True. Which is very, very rare, especially when you're getting stuff like The Witch and Hereditary, which people are my audience for The Witch wasn't great. They weren't terrible, but they weren't mm. great. They were kind of talking I shushed him.
1: I don't think we could watch um, things like, I don't think I could watch things like, uh, oh, what's that cheesy one we kept on? T- truth or Dare or something innocent? because yeah. like, I feel like that audience would be annoying. Yeah.
0: I watched The Conjuring with a great audience, Conjuring 2. I really want to watch The Texas Chainsaw Massacre with an audience. I think oh, yeah. that would really change the concept of that. Um, with uh, uh, Horror is a much more tangible dance with the audience. I think mm. it's kind of like comedy. People often say comedy and horror are such close genres because... You can tell if you're not doing a good horror. You can tell if you're not doing comedy. People aren't laughing in the comedy. And it's not about being scared and screams in a horror, especially yeah. something like Hereditary or The Witch. But you can tell if it's working or if it's not working as opposed to a drama where you don't really know. Yeah. Um, are they crying? I like can't But do they need to cry? You know, uh, horror is slightly different if you're going for like a jump scares, but it, it's an interesting thing. Horror is a very... It's, a, it's one of the more tangible things, and I think that's why it's kind of a, such a prevalent genre, even though people kind of aren't willing to admit it. Um, what's the future of horror? What do you think is the future of horror?
1: Oh, fuck. I've got no idea. I, I can never guess. I could never guess when Saw was happening that we'd be watching Hereditary in 10 years' time. Yeah, this I, is or, true. 14 years' time. I
0: think, though, you can kind of see cycles, and I think we're maybe at the end of the the heavy franchise stuff with the exception of the conjuring thing, which is almost a cinematic universe rather than a franchise in that it's more Marvel than it is. Um, uh, uh, mission impossible. Yeah. Um, and I think something like a quiet place, I being such a huge success, I think we're going to see a lot of
1: standalone, standalone original
0: stuff, which I am so keen for. We, seriously need an injection of that mm. because it was such a hit people are like oh are, uh, did you see the studio that's like oh we're gonna focus on original ideas because they're good i'm like <laughs> no shit well we haven't been saying
1: that for years or anything
0: um which i think is i think i'm hopeful i'm really hopeful and i'm hopeful for like that original thing and like the hereditary the formerly ambitious things to meet in the middle and we get something really cool yeah um i'm down for whatever jordan peele does next he's got it's called us is the new one? It's got Lapita Nyongo in it and it's a horror thriller. With, but I'm just down. I'm down. I'm down for more original stuff. I'm hopeful. I'm very hopeful as opposed to something like the superhero genre where I'm mm. not less than hopeful. Yeah. Very hopeful. So we'll do our top five now. Yeah, cool. I've got top five horror films made after 2005. Um, I probably should have said 2004 because that's when Saw came out. But.
1: Oh, see, I specifically didn't put Saw in there because i was like damn it it came out 2004 mm, yeah and saw two okay no no not saw two, two. <laughs> um,
0: so i'll go first i've got my honorable mentions i've got uh the conjuring obviously i think those movies are really fun really well made and then i've basically got the entire filmography of mike flanagan okay yeah. um ouija origin of evil hush oculus before i wake gerald's game um find- before i wake is on netflix find it and watch his stuff everything he does is pretty exceptional. I'm not like, I didn't love his first film, but he made that on such limitations. I can't fault him for it because I've made a film with low budget limitations and it's hard. Um, although Doug Jones cameo, Doug Jones kind of works with Mike Flanagan a lot. Oh, he does. Um, he appears in his first one. I'm Well, I'm sure. in. He plays a lot of monsters and creatures you, and things. You've
1: got me sold. You know how yeah. I feel about um, Doug Jones.
0: I've got the witch, which I love. Yep. I love lights out which I think is kind of that
1: classic. Cool. I still haven't watched Lights Out. I, I've it's seen good. the I've original I've got it on Blu-ray sure. now. I can, oh, brilliant. I
0: can lend you my Blu-ray. Um, I've got an Iranian film called Under the Shadow, which is a really good example of classic horror things dealing with thematically strong ideas and mm. it's female leads. It's a, it's on Netflix. I believe they bill it as a Netflix original now. Under the Shadow, Iranian horror film, some really great formal decisions, really great world, really great characters, and a the mythology, they're, they're delving into like the djinn in um middle eastern mythology it's really strong thematically strong horror movie visual effects aren't great but they it looked like they had a budget and they worked with it as best they could
1: uh the babysitter yep um, oh i didn't think to add that that's now in my honorable mentions Um, and i've
0: got hereditarian it follows i as my honorable mentions i think they'll be higher up but i need to be a little have a little more distance to see where they sit with me for it. Fair enough. I yeah. do love Hereditary a lot. I just thought I do that. And then, cause I wanted some stuff in the, my top five that aren't typically there. <laughs> so my number five is a movie called the skeleton key 2005. Yep. Brilliant, brilliant underwatched underrated movie. Most people haven't seen it. Cause they're like, Oh, Kate Hudson in a horror movie. She does exceptionally well. It's dealing with a really great mythology with hoodoo with, um, a new Orleans culture. It's, Brilliant, brilliant movie. More people need to watch it. It's such a good movie. Cannot recommend it enough. The Skeleton Key. It's really great. Um, I got Get Out. Yep. I think Get Out is gonna. It's like a Mad Max of horror movies. It's gonna shape so much of what we see coming forward. Uh, Cabin in the Woods is my number three. Cool,
1: great movie.
0: So good, and it's such a meta commentary whilst also playing, also the actually
1: working as a horror. and, yeah. and it's a and lot almost, like Scream in that sense, and
0: almost. Almost Lovecraftian, too. Yeah. Almost, which I think is really kind of cool. And uh, definitely like Scream. Um, I've got number two is The Mist. I think there's one of the most nihilistic, mm-hmm. hard-hitting horrors.
1: When was that? 2006? 2007,
0: yeah. during the Bush presidency. I know that much because it's about Bush. Okay. Um, And I love Frank Darabona as director. I think Marsha Gay Harden as a crazy religious woman is just... I mean, it's it's very anxiety inducing, but it's phenomenal, phenomenal movie with just one of the best endings you could ever ask for in a movie. And then my number one is Drag Me to Hell.
1: Oh, brilliant. Yes. Okay, so great. So much
0: fun. I just love that movie. And it works both as a horror movie and as a comedy movie For if you're a fan of horror movies. Yep. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love I it, love like it. I feel like. And the sound design on that movie is so good.
1: Even though I prefer Evil Dead, I feel like. Drag Me to Hell is the epitome of Sam Raimi. Yeah, yeah it's it, peak Sam it, Raimi. Peak Sam Raimi. Um, all right, I I have Josh's top five here, which I prized out of his cold, dead hands when we found his body. Um, so his honourable mentions- He use gloves though, right? We don't want to be in. Im- oh, definitely. And then I burnt the gloves. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I've got uh, in his honourable mentions. We have Red Eye. Let's just judge him for all these it's oh, yes. not here. See,
0: I, I would say Red, like red Eye's, Eye's a, thriller. a thriller. Yeah, Red to Eye's me, a thriller. But it is a red. Cr- you red are one.
1: wrong. Uh, he's got Raw. I like yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. Fuck!
0: Why didn't I put that on my list? Raw's
1: in my honourable mentions. I believe I've got to go back and look. Uh, he's got Drag Me to Hell in his honourable mentions. Uh, Fright Night. Completely agree the there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Cool.
1: The, the original was not made in to, past two thousand five. Yeah, this is true. This is true. Um, have, have you seen either or? All? I've seen the remake. Cool. I, I love the remake. I love the remake, and it's great isn't it because just, isn't it just Rear Window but vampire? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah well, when you put it like that, Disturbia. Um, uh, yeah. Oh God. Um. Uh. He's got the invitation. Is that with um? That's Karen
0: Kusama's movie. It's yeah. an interesting. I don't know if I call it a horror movie, but it does play as a horror movie. To me, it's like a weird drama thriller thing. Okay, I liked it a lot. I think it does have- Who's in flaws. it? Uh, pretty much no one you oh, know. Okay. It's a very, relatively unknown cast. It's a good movie, though. It's a awesome. very good movie, and it's a strong, strongly directed movie. I just yeah. don't love the script that no, much. Fair but it's on Netflix and definitely worth watching. Okay, cool. And Chanel might be able to handle it a bit more because it's a lot less horror, scary supernatural- yeah. It's a, to me, it's more of a thriller, but
1: okay, cool. Then um, he's got wreck because he hasn't seen it. He's sure it would be higher on the list. Uh, yep. uh, the descent, which everyone, uh,
0: I own that on Blu-ray and I have yet to watch it. Everyone tells me it's amazing.
1: It, yeah, it's quite Neil Marshall quite who directed poor. a lot of.
0: Game of Thrones episodes.
1: Uh, he's got VHS one and two, which is an anthology yeah. series. Um, I just don't I like it because one of the movies is called VHS viral. And that's not how vHss work. work. Uh, they do not go viral. Uh, Cabin in the woods. Yep. Um, you're next. Don't know that one. You guys.
0: Uh, I liked it. I think it, it lost the plot towards the end, but that's um, what's his name. He's Mike. F- I think he's like the less impressive version of Mike Flanagan. I just cannot remember his name right now. Uh, He's an interesting director. He did the remake of Blair Witch, which I okay. didn't love, but he yeah. did uh, Your Next. It's really good. And then there's another movie he did that I really, really liked. Um, Oh, The, uh, the, the Guest. Okay. Which is a really great blend of a horror, drama, 80s thing. It has oh. a brilliant score. And Dan, the guy plays the Beast Slash from Legion, he's the lead in it, really good. The Guest is really, really, really good.
1: Cool. Um, he's got It Follows, great yes. movie, Hereditary, um, Hush.
0: Yep. Oh, Hush is another uh, Mike Flanagan movie. Okay, that, cool. That's like all of his films. Hush is brilliant. Awesome. It is kind of more of a thriller, but it's it, very much into the slasher home invasion movie. Brilliant movie. Brilliant. Mike Flanagan has pretty much not done a bad movie and now he's doing The Haunting on Hill House and I think uh, he's going to do the film. Oh. And then he's also doing, he's already, I think he's already made that and that's getting ready to be done. And now he's doing Doctor Sleep. Oh, so he well, he's got, doing Doctor. Yeah, Sleep. Yeah, so he did Gerald's game, and Gerald's game was such a hit. Yeah, such a, a, such a true to the book of yeah. Stephen King that then he got Doctor Sleep. So he's doing the sequel
1: to The Shining. The Shining was like, so much nothing like the book. Yeah yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, Um, he's got The Witch. Uh, yep, Conjuring one and two. Yeah, cool. He's got It. Get out before I wake.
0: Another Mike Flanagan movie, cool. and that's like a horror drama. It's a it's one of it's a truly beautiful horror movie. Very
1: good. Uh, Train to Basan, Which have you seen that? Yes, yet? Yeah. I love that, that movie because I loved the zombie genre for so long. And I think after Shaun of the Dead, the the, the zombie genre just kind of died. And fucking World War Z is so the for Zombieland. fucking worst. Zombie Land doesn't count. Zombie amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Other than Zombie Land, yeah. Uh, Cooties was. Probably the best zombie film I'd seen up until Train of Busan, uh, and it's a comedy. Uh, and then his number one honorable mention is the Autopsy of Jane Doe.
0: Very, have you seen this? Yet? I have it's not seen it. Netflix. It's on Netflix. Yeah, it's really, really atmospheric. Really great performances. They they do some really cool builds to scares, mm-hmm. um, and a great mythology to it. I really like it. Cool
1: top five. Uh, some of these are really obvious coming from Josh. Uh, Trick or treat.
0: Love it. Love it. That's an anthology, but they're related. Yeah.
1: Um Insidious?
0: Yep. I love number one. I absolutely hated number two. And number three was like all right. And then number four was kinda cool. There are four? There are four of them. Insidious the last key is number four. Um I think Insidious Four is the best after Insidious 1. Cool. Um, Insidious 2 just has some lines in there like, you bit be- nice girls need to learn to be good. And I just cacked myself in the cinema and pissed off the audience I was with. Is Insidious the
1: one written by that? Lee Winnell and James Wan. Okay, it's Lee Winnell and James Wan. Okay, because I knew James Wan was the director. Okay, cool. Um, number three is Creep. Yeah. Not yep, Creep yep. 2, though. He hasn't got tr- Creep 2 even on his honourable mentions. Okay. This is it's very such unlike an Josh. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Uh number two is Let the Right One In.
0: Still haven't seen it. Is
1: that the American one or the original?
0: Uh the American one is Let Me In. Let Me In. Okay, cool. I, Let I knew... Me In is still very
1: good. Uh, is, yeah, I have heard. I knew that one's called Let Me In Let the Right and the other one's called Let the Right One In. I just couldn't remember. He says the director is Thomas Alfredson and I don't oh, know yeah, if
0: uh, uh, that's uh 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 Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy.
1: Oh. Shit, I did not know he did let the right one in.
0: Okay, and then the snowman.
1: Cool. Uh, which- yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, right on. Uh, and his number one is already mentioned by you, Gerald's game, Mike. Flanagan. His number
0: one is. Ge- Ooh, yeah. that has a scene in it that is genuinely, genuinely freaked the. Bark is that out. It the me out. no 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 okay. no 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 no? Because no. um, I've heard about not that. The everyone. iconic ending. That's just very intense. Mm. There is just a shot, and it's so disturbing because it's done without any ceremony. Yep. Um, it's kind of like the shot, the first shot of the mother in Hereditary. Okay. Yeah. With the, the, the ghost of the mother, but it's no. in, and it, 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 Gerald's game does it better. Cool. And it's oh okay. So un- it made my my mum. Got f- so physically uncomfortable watching. Them. I got, I got like the 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 scared feeling in my stomach. My mum got physically uncomfortable Ooh. on that shot. It really scared her. We were watching in the middle of the fucking day. It's cool. very well done. Very well done. Oh
1: man, now I can't watch it. Don't cause... watch it with Chanel,
0: but watching It's really good. I oh, have so
1: watch it in bed while she's yeah. asleep. Cool. Yeah. Um, so my my honourable mentions. Uh, I only consider these honourable mentions because I would not consider them horror. But I see how some would. So things like Tucker and Dale vs. Evil, which is a horror comedy, great film. Don't know if I'd consider it a horror because it is more comedy. Same with The Final Girls, which I believe yep. I've spoken about on the podcast. Really great deconstruction of 80s horror films. But I would never call it scary. It yep. is very much a fun thing. I had um, uh, Cabin in the Woods in there as well, although I completely agree. it It works as a horror. And it yeah. works as a horror, and it deconstructs it as well, which makes it really good, like Scream. Uh, um, I had some more, but they're thrillers, so fuck them. Top five. Uh, my number five is the Evil Dead remake. It's still haven't seen it. I'm still worried, but I need to. Should I watch
0: all the other Evil Dead's before I then go to?
1: Oh uh, yeah, maybe. I, I I almost say that it's unrelated, even though end credits include uh, Bruce Campbell. Um, no, I I don't think you need to. Uh, I've it, only seen Evil Dead 1, and it was a while ago. Cool. It's pretty much one and two in one movie. Get, but serious. Um, but serious, um, even though it gets very bloody at the end. Um, my number four is Hereditary. Uh, yep. Uh, i would probably be higher, but like I said, just watched yeah. it. it. It is a phenomenal film. I need to have time to film. let it settle to decide. Absolutely. Uh, my number three is Drag Me to Hell. Peak Sam Raimi.
0: I mean, and have you seen the deconstruction about how *Drag Me to Hell* is actually about an eating millennial? disorder? Yeah, and oh, okay, eating Yeah, I was like, oh, I call bullshit. And I tried to tell other people once. So I was like, I call bullshit. And every time I tell someone about it, like I call bullshit. You watch the movie; it's there. All the horror happens around the kitchen. There's the yep. fisting in the, in the mouth. mouth. There's but the all flying the, in the mouth. Has stuff to yeah, do with it's an oral fix. It's a. Uh, I, I read an essay about it. it's an oral fixation with the movie, and even the opening shot where she like looks at all the cakes in the window and she stops herself from eating the cake. I'm like that saw me. I'm like that doesn't suit a horror movie. That doesn't suit that. It's about bulimia is so
1: good yeah. and so uh, strong because you pointed it out to me i think the f- uh, right after the first time i watched no not after the first time i watched it right before i watched it again and i watched it right after you said it and i was like oh shit yeah yeah and um, the
0: vomiting of the bugs and yeah all of that yeah
1: uh my number two is it follows i yes. i look at it as the perfect remake of halloween because everything about it is so much like the original Halloween, but I think it's done better. Kind of like The Witch to and Hereditary, it's super, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's supernatural. So it, it's like- Have I, I've told you about my sequel I
0: want to do. Yeah, you've times. told me about the sequel, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, and my number one is Christmas 2008. Me with three friends getting any movie from the DVD store, we got teeth.
0: Ah, I haven't seen it yet.
1: Oh, man, I've got it on DVD. I'll lend it to you. It I is on Netflix fantastic. Too. Oh, is it? Yeah, well, fuck it. 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 Don't borrow my DVD. It is super fun. It's the reason I don't have sex. That and, you know, but mainly because of teeth. It's a choice.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Vaginas are scary. Um, it's Kind of like the movie ends very camp. Uh, and there are quite a few camp moments in it. Uh, the doctor with his hand in a vagina screaming vagina dentata vagina dentata (laughs) it is insanely fun and it is a great horror film i advise anyone who doesn't think vaginas are scary to watch it and if you do think vaginas are scary
0: but isn't it a deconstruction on the panic about vaginas yeah yeah yeah.
1: it is oh god just teeth, man. That's your number teeth. one. That's my number one.
0: Okay, well, that's interesting. Well, that's a really good place. To end. And if you haven't seen any of these movies, check them out because they're really good. And a lot of Mike Flanagan stuff is on Netflix, um, like Hush, Gerald's Game. Has and this just Beyond. become
1: the Mike Flanagan podcast? Probably
0: has. Probably has. He's a brilliant, brilliant director. Um, Eve, and if you uh, like this podcast, tell people about it. Send it out. We need. We want more subscribers. Yeah, we, we, we want, want more. We want to beat everyone else. We want to beat everyone else on this network or at least beat the other movie podcasts. And we're about half the viewership there. God so damn it. Let's, let's get on that, people. Share it around. Um, and if, uh, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Picture Rangers and email us at com. If you have some thoughts on horror movies, you want us to talk about a certain franchise during because we'll have at least four episodes <laughs> yeah. and we've only decided on three. So if you want to decide our last one, send us an email and you decide what we'll talk about. That's your challenge. Um, you know Marish-
1: what is a great horror movie? Horror-influenced yeah, movie? Red yeah. Curtain Hell. Red Curtain Hell. Boom, yes. Per- Available on us.
0: demand. I made a movie. I, I referenced um Carrie. Yep. big time I reference a lot of horror movies towards the end of the, the movie mm. there so that's available on demand on vimeoondemand.com slash Red hell use the code picture Rangers to get 20 percent off your rental or purchase
1: that's why i struggled so much like defining its genre on the podcast because yeah. i was like it's it's influenced by so much yeah yeah
0: um and so if you uh, and uh, if you want to follow me find me on twitter i'm starting to tweet more and trying to be witty at shane
1: m <laughs> underscore anderson uh you can find me on Instagram at the Star.
0: And you can find this and many other great podcasts at that's not com. They have some really cool ones. Watch the listen to the true crime one and hear about Josh's murder. Um as we spoiler
1: alert, it wasn't us.
0: It wasn't us. It definitely, definitely wasn't us. Um and uh, they have another movie one, they have a musical one uh fan fiction all sorts of stuff really <laughs> great to check out so uh thank you for listening and we'll see you again next week bye, bye. bye.
1: God, yeah, bye. Ooh,
0: Hi there, my name's Jessica Kate. And I'm Ellen Rose. And we're the hosts of Murder in the Land of Oz, a new Australian true crime podcast. Ah. Yes. So we're starting off in Brisbane, our hometown, cause relatable. Relatable. We're gonna be coming to you every second Monday. So give us a listen, give us a like, and a subscribe. Come and join us on our journey where we explore the depths of true crime Australia. Oh yeah.